rarely gets broken up. They don't get busted doing this. They're just down there doing it. People come from all over the city and suburbs and New Jersey to get drugs here. It's become a drug hub. Welcome to the Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. And I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. Welcome in. Glad you're joining us. We're going to talk about drugs today. <laughs> drug use in Philadelphia is really problematic. Of course, the problems with drug use and abuse is at a record high all over and is a real problem nationwide. There are over 100 deaths from drug overdose every day in this country alone. It's like another pandemic. It really is, Julie. Unfortunately, Philly has become a big part of the statistics. Opioid abuse was an epidemic everywhere, including Philadelphia before COVID, especially because of the common overprescribing during the 2000s. But the pandemic made a lot of bad things worse, including opioid use and abuse. Right. Nationally in 2020, at the beginning of the pandemic, there were over 93,000 fatal overdoses. That's 30% more than in 2019. And the numbers are rising astronomically. That's just crazy. Mm -hmm. In Philly alone, according to the Department of Public Health, there were over 1,200 fatal overdoses in 2020, and that was 10% higher in the first six months of 2021 than in the same months, the first six months of 2020. Yeah, so it's just skyrocketing. Mm. And most of the deaths have been attributed to opioids, specifically the synthetic opioid fentanyl, which has been widely blamed for an increase in addiction and death. Well, and that's because fentanyl is way more potent than morphine or heroin. And because of that, it's easier and cheaper to export, import, and distribute because you need much smaller quantities. They go a longer way. And so now it's everywhere. Right, Cindy, so much so that now it's intentionally put into weed, cocaine, methamphetamine. And there's a certain number of deaths because people didn't expect to get an opioid and they don't have any tolerance for it. For example, they buy pills on the street, which they probably think are from a pharmacy. And so, you know, safer than heroin, for example. But actually, these pills are pressed tablets of pure fentanyl being made to look like legitimate pills. Right. So they might think they're buying something like Xanax or Ativan, Percocet, and they're actually getting a very potent, possibly deadly dose of fentanyl. People know that fentanyl is deadly, but they might not even know they're using it. According to some experts, most of the people buying drugs in Philly are getting at least some fentanyl and sometimes only fentanyl. It's really scary. That is scary. The rise of addiction and its negative consequences has affected everyone. But of course, deaths have especially risen in communities of color. Statistically, black residents in Philadelphia died from overdoses in much greater numbers after COVID shut things down initially in 2020 than white Philly residents. In fact, a study by Penn Medicine found that the death rate from overdose for white people decreased at first. Of course, 
the disparities were already there in our healthcare, economic, and education systems, as we've talked about in prior podcasts, but the pandemic has highlighted them all. When something like the impact of COVID is added to an already stressed out population, the disparities already there become obviously bigger and there's little access to the usual services and programs because many of them were shut down during the worst of the pandemic. Yeah, so the Kensington neighborhood of Philadelphia is a glaring example. Kensington used to be an old working class immigrant neighborhood with people mostly coming as immigrants from England, Scotland, Germany, and Ireland. So pretty white. Yeah. There was tension among these immigrant groups, which sometimes boiled over, including into major riots. For example, there were what they called nativist riots that grew against the growing population of Irish Catholic immigrants there, in which the militia was called in to defend the streets. Later, Philadelphia, with all of its booming industry of factories and warehouses, Kensington was a booming center of the U.S. textile industry. Hard to believe if you see it now. True. But it really was booming, and Black people moved up from the South towards greater freedom and all the employment that seemed to be there. A lot of Latinx people, especially from Puerto Rico, also moved to the area a little after that. But as African Americans and Latinx people were coming to Philadelphia, the jobs they were hoping to land were becoming less available as manufacturers left the city, leaving people jobless and warehouses abandoned. It has happened in so many places. So today, Kensington is more diverse than ever, with about 25% of its residents identifying as Black, 50% White, and 20% as mixed race in the U.S. Census. More than half check off the box identifying as Hispanic ethnicity. And those are the people that bothered to respond to the census. So those numbers are probably not totally right. (laughs) Kensington is also one of the poorest neighborhoods in Philly with some of the worst numbers for violent crime, for education, employment, and health outcomes. If you Google Philadelphia Badlands, Kensington comes up as one of the main possibilities. Yes, Kensington Beach is an area of Kensington that got its name because of the large number of homeless drug addicts who are literally lying around on the pavement like people would do at the beach, except they're not sunbathing, though they are baked or maybe dead. There were some recent articles that referred to Kensington as zombie land. That's horrible. Yeah. And I read about that. And recently I had an experience getting lost in my car in one of those areas. And people literally were walking around like zombies. A couple of them practically just walked into my car as they were crossing the street and seemed to be just wandering around. It was a little bit scary. I didn't want to hit someone accidentally as they were wandering. And also it was very heartbreaking. Wow. That is awful. Apparently drug dealers stand on corners there giving out free samples to get people eventually to buy more and the long lines and the crowds gather sometimes even fighting with each other as they wait in line for drugs. Yeah. It's like, you know, in Costco or Whole Foods when they have, you know, somebody giving out samples. Yeah. Only they're on the street and they're giving out drugs. And for some reason, it rarely gets broken up. They don't get busted doing this. They're just down there doing it. People come from all over the city and suburbs and New Jersey to get drugs here. It's become a drug hub. And I think the police just avoid the whole area. 
What was once and still is a neighborhood with families and children has drug addicts from all over coming through, buying, selling, being zombies on the beach, doing drugs right out in the open, no matter who's around, even children. They go on drug holidays there. Meanwhile, other areas around Philly use zoning laws and whatever other tools there might be to keep affordable housing and treatment programs out of other neighborhoods. They don't want to attract these people to their neighborhood. But yet there are drugs in all the neighborhoods. Relatively recently, there was an unsuccessful attempt to put a supervised injection site in South Philly. There was a lot of protests, and in the end, it didn't happen. West Philly also has places where drug addicts sort of congregate and hang out. But no other part of Philly has the drug-addicted encampments on the scale that are in Kensington. Sometimes the city seems to make decisions that reinforce the concentration of drug use in Kensington. Syringe disposal cans were placed at each Kensington L stop and one in the park there, McPherson Park. They didn't do this in other parts of the city, making it possibly seem like it was okay to use in Kensington, but not in other parts of the city. The Kensington SEPTA stops became so overrun with drug users that they had to shut them down temporarily. Yeah, the park you're talking about, McPherson Square, Kensington's six-acre park, is often called Needle Park now because of the drug addicts openly using needles and leaving them on the grass along with their trash. It can't really be the family park it used to be. No, now it's really dangerous. Part of Kensington, and actually what was originally Kensington, is now a newly developing neighborhood called Fishtown. Kensington's major fishing industry used to be booming there, and so that area came to be known as Fishtown. It's not a beautiful name, but whatever. Fishtown and some other parts of Kensington have seen unbelievable gentrification and redevelopment right up against the drug hub. According to a group working there to offer free housing services, the new Kensington Community Development Corporation, Forbes magazine pronounced Fishtown America's hottest new neighborhood in 2018. How strange is that? That is strange. It's hard to believe, but Fishtown really is hot. Yep. Many blame Kensington's abandoned industrial buildings and homes, convenient access to transportation, including I-95 and several L-stops in the neighborhood, for it now being a center for the illegal drug market on the East Coast. It's easy to get to. There are sometimes more than 50 open-air drug markets happening at once, you know, with all the samples going on, with people spending hundreds of millions of dollars on drugs there every year. I know this is hard to believe, but it's true. Yeah. And, you know, plenty of other neighborhoods are built near transportation and highway stops and plenty of other Philadelphia neighborhoods have abandoned properties, which, yes, of course, attract homeless people, drug addicted people. But they don't become this huge open air destination for addicts far and wide the way Kensington seems to have become. I mean, it's been labeled the largest on the East Coast. Is this because people don't care about the working class community there? Or that it's just better to keep the drugs centered there than in the more well-to-do white neighborhoods? Yes. It's not that the people living in those neighborhoods don't have drugs. And they probably get them in Kensington and then leave to use them or use them there and then leave. We don't know. Both. Again, all of this was happening before COVID. But when the pandemic hit and created isolation from lockdowns, the closure of treatment centers and programs, along with the impact of financial and emotional stress, 
the disparities that were already there grew even more intense. People living in poverty don't always have the technology to connect to people or resources. We take our computers and phones for granted. That's right, Cindy. For people in poverty, everything really shut down and there was no access. Then things continued to get worse as many lost jobs that they did have. They became depressed, extremely anxious. They became sick or unable to work. So there was no work, no structure, no support. Add to that, their friends and family were dying from this invisible pandemic. Addiction takes control of a person's life in the best of times. It can start out fun with friends or at parties, with pills maybe, but it can easily progress, especially when heroin is cheaper and more accessible. And for some people, their predisposed body and brain meet an opioid and bond right away. Right? Addiction and its consequences can happen to anybody. It's not just poor city kids. Many came from suburbs or are college educated. They didn't start strung out with no job, no home, no family. Many were given pain meds in high school for a sports injury or after a surgery. They started out as regular people living their lives. In my practice, I've treated some of the parents after their adult children died from an overdose. It is heartbreaking. Many tried everything. They mortgaged their houses to pay for repeated rehabs, addiction treatments. It's just that opioids are unbelievably addictive. And there's such a stigma to it. Instead of seeing people who need help, we see criminals, especially if they're black. That, along with the disparities we know already exist in the healthcare and services that could potentially help them. And it's quite the recipe for falling through the cracks, ending up in prison or dead. Right. Major policy and systemic changes are really important, and we have to keep pushing for them, even though things move so slowly and everything takes way too long. Decriminalization is a big equity and policy issue. We know that treating people who are addicted to drugs like criminals and punishing them is not helpful. No. Drug addiction devastates lives, the addict and everyone around them. People need compassion, not judgment. They need to be connected. They need to feel like they, get some, they can get some support. They need to know that there are options, even if they're not ready to accept them. They need to have access to a place to live that's safe. They need health care. They need opportunities for quality treatment. And while we work for bigger change to happen, community outreach and a harm reduction mindset can be important in saving lives in Kensington, in other parts of the city, all over. Right. Making drugs like naloxone, which is better known as Narcan, its brand name, an opioid antagonist, more publicly available, can help because when it's administered, um, it works against the drugs to quickly block the opioid effect and reverse an opioid overdose. And anyone can get trained to carry it and use it. So if you want to carry around Narcan in case you need to save somebody's life, you know, you can do that. Also needed for harm reduction are things like availability of supervised sites for clean needles and fentanyl test strips. Community groups and health services that do all this stuff that make sure all these actions are taken need to be funded and supported with serious money and policies. If you or someone you know needs help with drug abuse, you can call the SAMHSA National Helpline at 1-800-662 4357. 
It's a confidential call that can connect you with public health agencies to get information and treatment for substance use and abuse. Thanks for listening today. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at shrinksonthird. Until next time, take care.